Hi everyone, welcome to Cancer Healing Journey Talks. Myself Sonali Modi from Community Outreach Team of Zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer. At Zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer, we guide cancer patients on adopting an integrative oncology treatment approach. We help them find the balance between medical treatment and complementary treatment approaches. We help our patients with our team of oncologists, lab, ex- lab experts, nutritionists, and other healthcare professionals so that we can improve the treatment outcome for patients. And we also help them in connecting patients with other care, care means cancer warriors who have gone to this journey to address their queries. So firstly, I would like to introduce you to today's speaker, Ms. Nicole. She's a cancer warrior. I'm happy that you're here with us today to share your story. So over to you, Nicole. Please start with the introduction. Hello, uh, my name is Nicole. I am from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I just so I'm just celebrating this year, or um, sorry, tomorrow, my two-year cancerversary. Uh, in 2019, I was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer, and as of right now, I am in remission. Yeah. So what made you go for the diagnosis? I found a mass on my left breast and it just rapidly grew and it was hot. My skin was a little dimply and there was, I just didn't know what it was. So I went and saw a doctor that lives or that is near my where I live and mm-hmm. they actually didn't even think it was cancer either they thought it was just a cyst or a mm-hmm. bruise so they sent me to get an ultrasound which is standard care in where I in Ontario mm-hmm. so I went and I had difficulty getting the ultrasound but eventually I did end up being able to get it and there they saw that my lymph nodes were inflamed under my left auxilla and the, the tumor actually grew substantially. So they said, oh my gosh, you have to really take care of yourself better. And I was so confused. So I was like, what are you talking about? Isn't this just a bruise? And uh, a couple of days later, the doctor called me back again and was like, you have to come in right away. So I came in that day and the doctors said to me, Nicole, you, you have the C word. And I was very confused. The C word? What are you talking about? What's, what's the C word? And mm-hmm. she said, she, she wouldn't say cancer. She just said the, the C word. And don't worry, uh, at the hospital, uh, they, they're very good and they, they'll help you. And I was still so confused. And then when she finally said cancer, she kind of whispered it. And I was like, I was, I was just kind of in shock. So I left that appointment and went home and I called my mom and was like, I think she, I just had a doctor tell me I have cancer. And then my mom was confused too. She was like, but how? we don't have this in our family. So, and at that time I, I would go to the gym regularly, like almost twice a day sometimes, and I would eat very well. And it just didn't make sense. And even the, the profile for inflammatory breast cancer, 
the only thing that made sense is that I'm young. Uh, everything else other than that, it just, it didn't make sense. Mm. So it was a lot to take in. Uh, and it was just kind of very mismatchy where from what the doctor said to um, actually getting in contact with the cancer center, like it actually took about three months before the cancer center actually saw me from the time I initially felt the bump to being able to be seen by the cancer center. But the cancer center, one thing she was right is the cancer center in my local area is wonderful. The surgeon saw me quickly and she actually did a biopsy that day. And she did, like, it was, she's so wonderful. And her name suits her so well. Her name's Angel and she really is an angel and she's so lovely. And when I saw her, everything just went really fast at that point. And all the doctors there were so lovely and nice. And I still have to see them on a regular basis because mm. the cancer type I have or had or have I don't even know what to say about that anymore Oops, sorry. Yeah. and yes so at what stage was it diagnosed uh, so for inflammatory breast cancer it's always diagnosed minimally as a 3c okay. and it's either 3c or a metastatic so luckily for me mine was 3c it was oops sorry uh it was just in my armpit. But one thing that did save me is that I, I actually have a very severe fear of needles. And now I'm not so bad because I get stuck with them so much. So part of the thing in Canada is what they do. If you're a woman, if you're a young woman, before you start cancer treatment, they send you to see a fertility clinic because as you know, chemo can destroy your fertility. So I went to talk to the fertility clinic. I was very mortified because A, I didn't plan anything about having children. I was 30 when I was diagnosed. So children wasn't like, I wanted them, but it wasn't like right then and there a decision I wanted to make about what to do. Mm. So when I went there and they were saying all the hormones and how they stab you with needles, or not they, you, you have to stab yourself with needles all the time. I, I had a panic attack and the only one that could calm me down was, again, I had to call my mom. So where I live, where my parents live is about a six to seven hour drive. So during this experience, my parents couldn't come and see me, unfortunately. So it was just too short notice. Uh, so I ended up kind of not going with the fertility option. And, but I did go with getting a Zolodex shot. That was my... Um, that was my compromise okay. and with the and the Zoldex shot is part of their treatment anyways so when they were describing to me they said that the fertility treatment's like kind of the last resort option mm. so they don't want you to use these eggs they would pull out of you and freeze anyways they want you to do it on your own 
and they would help preserve your fertility of getting a Solodex shot. Mm. It basically shuts your ovaries down. So I went back when I had my next chemo or oncologist appointment. So this was all like within three days. So when I went back and talked to them, I said, okay, I, I made a compromise. I didn't get my eggs frozen. It's just, I couldn't do it. It's just too much, too soon, but I'm, I want this Zolodex shot. And they said, oh, honey, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll have you covered there. We'll give you the prescriptions. You don't have to go back to the fertility clinic. Don't worry. So they, they did that. And I'm still on Zolodex to this day. But when all the, from the biopsy, when all my um, profiles came back, my tumor was actually uh, HER2 positive and, or sorry, HER positive and estrogen positive. So when I was talking to my oncologist, what he said is if I actually did the fertility treatment, my tumor had a good chance that it would have actually progressed beyond my armpit because of the size. It was about the size of my hand. Like that's how big the tumor got in my breasts. And it was already in about like three or four of my lymph nodes and they were fully inflamed. So it's, it's just shocking. And I guess it was just, it was just a good, it was a good thing that I didn't do it because yes. yes, I, it would be a different story than what I'm talking about today. Hmm. So did you do chemotherapy or where did you went through radiation therapy during those times? I had a multimodal approach. That's what they, they called it. So I did everything. Okay. So, so I started hmm. off with chemo and then I did the hormone, started the hormone therapy. So right when I finished chemo is actually when COVID started. So my whole cancer plan bubble just burst because when COVID started, everything in Canada locked down. And they had this thing where they said, okay, within two weeks, they said no uh, surgeries pretty much, unless if it's life necessary, like if someone comes in with a car crash. Hmm. And that included no cancer surgeries. Hmm. So people that were like me that just finished chemo, we were kind of in a tough spot because we were like, oh my gosh what do we do? So my surgeon, like I said, like her name suits her so well. She actually was able to find another surgeon to do my surgery, but it wasn't in my city. It was in a completely different city I've never been to. And luckily at that point, my parents were able to actually come and be there with me, but they're only able to be there with me for three days. So it was very rough, but after I had the surgery and I was on the hormone therapy at that point, I had uh, 
my radiation. And since mine is uh, her positive, I actually switched from just doing the traditional Herceptin to Ketzilla. Mm. And I was on that for about a year. And yeah, now, now I'm off of it. I'm still on the hormone therapy. And that's where yeah. I am today. Yes, yeah, so chemotherapy is a very tough routine. So can you please share your experience, like how you coped with it and what all difficulties you faced during that, means during your treatment? Yes, uh, so with my chemotherapy, they wanted to do the, because my tumor was so big and aggressive, they wanted to do the strongest stuff and really hit it out of the park first time around. That's what they, that's what the, the nurse kind of described to me, the, the chemo nurse. So I, I started with AC. So that's the, the red devil chemotherapy. That's what they call it here. I don't know what they call that in India. Hmm. And that first chemo. So it was stressful for me because I don't like needles and it's IV every time. Hmm. So that was really difficult. The, it was funny, actually, when I was getting it, the worst part was the needle. And actually every single time I've had the chemo was the worst part was the needle. And then I went home and I was like, I don't feel so bad. I don't know what they're talking about. And they said, don't worry, hon, it's going to hit you on day three. And boy, were they right. <laughs> so I, the chemotherapy, so the AC chemotherapy destroyed my esophagus, my stomach lining. Um, that was the worst part for me, actually, was how badly it just shredded my esophagus and stomach lining so bad where I, they, they said they gave me like a lovely booklet on stuff to watch out for and uh things I can do. So one of my comfort foods is actually tomato soup. So when I was feeling bad the first time around, I was like, oh, well, soup's a good idea. You don't have to chew and it's not rough on your, your throat. Yeah, I didn't realize how acidic tomatoes are. <laughs> so that was a quick call to the cancer unit and I was kind of panicking like what's happening to me why is this burning and hurting and why do I feel like I want to throw up worse like this has never happened to me this is soup and when I mentioned what soup it was the nurse bless her soul she started laughing at me and she's like Nicole you said tomato soup yeah I don't understand tomatoes they're acidic. Oh, oh. <laughs> so after that point, I, I learned to really avoid acidic food, even if it was comfort food in the past, just avoid it. So that, that one was very, very difficult, the AC. By the end of the AC, the, the, so I only had four treatments of AC. So mine was dose dense. So I had it biweekly. Uh, at the end of the treatment, I was just like, I, I understand now when people say no more, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. Cause the last one was, I was pretty much at that point where I was like, I feel horrible. Cause it's a staff effect too. Right. 
so so that was my first two months of chemo and then my last couple months my chemo was taxol with Perceptin because at that point they figured out that my tumor had uh, HER positive in it, so her positive. So the taxol was actually switched to weekly taxol. So instead of four dose dense, it was 12 every week. Mm-hmm. And I was told, they're like, oh, don't worry, taxol is no problem at all. So at this point, of course, lost all my hair. And I was just like, and I was a bit bloated because they have to give you steroids before the chemo. So your body doesn't reject it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to flow through this taxol stuff. And the first session of it, they started off with the Herceptin, hence craziest thing. Oh, I thought it was the craziest thing, but it was something they were hoping and praying for is my tumor it throbbed, it burned, it felt so bad and it was so intense. And actually what it was is the way Herceptin's designed is it basically tells your immune system to attack the tumor. So it was telling my immune system to attack this tumor and that's what was happening is it was attacking my tumor and that's what that horrible pain was. Mm. And it was amazing because like, in the course of a couple of days, my tumor went from this to nothing. Like it was my, my breast was back to normal. It was flat. Like, or you know what I mean? It was yeah, yeah, yeah. like mm. the other one. <laughs> and mm. that was like, wow. But the taxol, oh, my body did not like the taxol. Like I know all chemotherapy is basically poison that's what you're doing but my body just hated it I actually had allergic reactions with it it burned going in my veins so bad like I I just I I still when I feel my arm I can still remember the burning and the pain and my wrist it felt like it was going to break my wrist because at that time since I have really, really small veins that roll, they only had really one access point on my arm. It was basically in my wrist. So it's been poked multiple times in this one area. So at that point is when I talked to my oncologist, was like, okay, unfortunately, I'm gonna ask for a medical procedure. And he's like, yes, you you need to get the port at this point in time, because <laughs> I'll be, I, from the feedback I've got from the nurses you can't the it's too much needle poking the anxiety with the needles is just too much and the chemo it's it's you're not handling it very well so I actually ended up getting a port and that relieved a lot of my frustrations with the appointments because as I said the IVs was the worst part of the entire appointment itself so after that, I did end up getting a port. I still actually have it right now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, the injections and all, or all the needles went so much smoother after that point. And the taxol is, was still hard, but it wasn't as hard. Mm-hmm. So like, what do people need to expect when they get this cancer type? 
uh, so for inflammatory breast cancer, um, it's, it's more of like expect the unexpected. <laughs> like anything you know about cancer and everything, just unless if you have had and you've sat beside your mother or sister or father going through the treatments, it's it's not what you expect it's a lot different um so for inflammatory breast cancer it's not always the people in the profiles and the other thing so what I like my major message for inflammatory breast cancer and why I kind of speak about it quite a bit and I try and be as open as possible is you have a chance you do. Most of the documentation about it online, it basically says you're going to die. Whether it's stage four or stage three, it basically says you're going to die within a year or two. It's going to beat you. And it doesn't have to be that way. The medicine that is right now, they they know what they're doing and they they know how to like you just have to trust the process and follow it and don't do something stupid like saying oh the medicine's too hard or the pills are too hard like I get it it is hard but you can do it and one of the biggest things is my oncologist actually told me that even though I'm on hormone therapy for about 10 years or even more, maybe even the rest of my life, is that he thinks I have a chance to actually have a child in the future. So that's like, and do it naturally. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big thing. Like going from, you're going to die in like, for me, you're going to die. When I, like basically I turned 30 and was told that to being here and still talking and it's been two years (laughs) yes always be hopeful and keep fighting yes yes so what do you think is the importance of self-examination and why uh so for self-examination for me it's more since my age and how young i am and i'm not sure what it's like in india but in canada they have a strict protocol that the doctors have to follow and the people of Canada have to follow is they don't do mammograms until you're basically in menopause Hmm. so anyone younger if you come to them and you're like my breast it doesn't feel right there's a there's a mass or there's a lump it looks different when you go to the doctor cancer is not the first thing they think and they don't actually normally take you seriously for it unless if you have cancer in your family Mm. so you just you really have to self-advocate for yourself and you just have to keep going and saying something doesn't feel right please do a test of something because you never know so what all things helped you in your recovery like please emphasize on the integrative oncology aspect of treatment plan 
Um, so what really helped me out a lot actually is, sorry, um, one of the kind of the, the low or um, the not thought of people in your cancer team, because most of the time you think of doctors, but actually what really, really helped me get through everything was my social worker. I actually, and I, I didn't know I advocated for one, but I was having such a, a tough time with the cancer uh, aspect of understanding why, how, and what you, what you learn during it is, is there's not always a why, there's not always a how, it just happens. And she really, really helped figure things out and kind of put your mind in the right perspective. And she actually even helped me understand some of the doctor's notes because a lot of times the doctors are kind of siloed in what they do and they, they really just write in their own language. And I'm not in a medical field. So it was very confusing where I'm like, what? What's malignant what? Estrogen what? <laughs> Yes. So, you know, uh, every crisis in life teaches you a certain lesson. So what life lessons you got from your cancer journey? Uh, for me, it's to do what makes you happy. Hmm. Don't be in a situation that you're just doing something because it's what society tells you to do. Hmm. If if you want something and you want to be happy, don't, don't settle and be with something or do something that doesn't make you happy. Whether that's a relationship, that's a job, that's a career, like life's too short. And I've heard about it from so many people because I haven't been in a lot of cancer support groups online because of COVID. And I, my favorite thing actually is getting these cancer comic books because they are hilarious. And it is bizarre because so many things that you've been through, these other people have been through and no one understands it better than a cancer survivor or someone going through cancer treatment. Hmm. So uh, yes, that's, that's what I would say. Yes. <laughs> So can you please like share your experiences and thoughts about your caregivers? My caregivers? So I didn't really have that many caregivers. So my caregivers was more my hospital staff and uh, they would send nurses if I needed help, which was really lovely. Uh, my, my parents was a big one. So they're caregivers from a distance. Uh, they did help, but it's, it's hard because they really don't, they don't understand what you're going through because mm -hmm. it is such a different experience. And to be told randomly one day that there's a strong possibility that you're gonna die very soon versus like, you think that you have this full life ahead of you and that you, you're just gonna follow natural life patterns. You'll have children, get married, married, and then have children. 
continue working on stuff for your career. And it just kind of all comes up in flames within like, right when they say you have cancer. So like, did you made any lifestyle changes during or after your treatment? Uh, so for me, I had a couple, unfortunately, negative lifestyle changes, but that was treatment induced because the treatment left me with severe neuropathy. So my, so before, like I said, I would work out a lot. Now I can't even run because of the neuropathy in my feet. But on the flip side, at least the cancer's gone. Mm. So if neuropathy is what I have, then neuropathy is what I have. Uh, I do, like I said before, is I do put myself first now. Because before I was, I was a giver all the time. And I would always be like, oh, this person needs help. Oh, that person needs help instead of really taking care of number one. And now I, I'm not ashamed to be like, Nicole, you're tired. You need to lay down. Now I do that. I lay down. I don't feel ashamed about it. Where before I'll be like, I lay down and go, well, I'm lazy. I'm lazy because I'm taking a nap. You're supposed to sleep at bed. Or I'd look around and be like, oh, my apartment is messy. I have to clean it right now. Where now I'm like, okay, you're having very bad vertigo because of being in the menop- being in menopause. Just lay down, just relax, take a breath. And that's what I end up doing a lot now. <laughs> yes. So like, uh, what was your first reaction? when you like when your reports were finally showing that now you are cancer free and how you reacted to the whole situation it was a bizarre reaction i was actually it was disbelief and it's such a a weird emotion <laughs> to feel because normally you'd think you'd be so happy but for me it was because your life revolves, like the moment you were told you have cancer, you, you go through so much different emotions. And like, I was in treatment. Like, hmm. I just, I'm still in treatment right now. And it's been two years. So when your life revolves around cancer, and fighting it all, and just trying to stay alive during all these treatments. It's, it's bizarre. When they say, you're cancer free. Like, are you sure? Are you, like, are you really sure? And it took a while. And like, like, like I said, the, one of the big unsung heroes of the, of your cancer team is the social workers. And my social worker was just Abby saying like, it's okay to feel these feelings. Like it's okay to be, have this belief. You have to allow yourself to have these feelings. Like I know not many people will understand, but it's okay. And as I started to return to work and cancer's kind of moved to being on the the back burner, like it's still there and it will always be there in in me because I now it's it's happened. So now I always have to think think it, but now I I just try and live my life for every single day 
Mm. not plan too far in the future just live for the day Mm. so like gratitude seems to be the biggest strength to fight this kind of situation so what were you ever so grateful for that made you always calm down and after thinking or revisiting that memory for me it was actually my doctors my surgeon my oncologist because at first it was it was a rough journey because i went through like every single emotion and thought like i even got to the point where i was like because they were so nice and I, I, the doctors I've had in the past, they really haven't been that nice. They just kind of go, yep, here's your prescription, bye. <laughs> and these ones, they, they actually want to get to know you too. Like you're not just your cancer. So all I just kept thinking about was my surgeon and how lovely and nice she's been. My oncologist who takes the time to talk to me he actually, and he doesn't do this for all his patients, but I email him and he emails me back. And my social worker, who's always there to talk to me, or I have a psychiatrist now at the hospital because I had to change some of my medications around to deal with the side effects of the hormone therapy. Mm. And she's always there for me. The nurses, every time I go in, they actually give me hugs. Well, now I'm not in COVID so much. So it's, it's more of like the elbow bump, but um, they're there and they're like, hi, Nicole. And they remember your name <laughs> and they say, oh, how are you today? How's life? How's your dogs? And it's always just welcoming always you. <laughs> yeah. Always welcoming you in a positive way. Yes. And they care about you as a person. And it's, yeah. it's so nice to see and it's nice to yeah. feel loved yeah. and more than like more than just your cancer. Yeah. So what is that one thing you want to share with all those who are still fighting this battle? Um, to stay strong, uh, keep fighting and you always have a chance. I've heard of people who have, stage four and miraculously the cancer is in remission i've heard of people who are stage four cancer remission uh hormones positive and they actually went off their treatment for a little bit of time and they have a child it's not always the case but there is like the science today is so advanced that they are they're doing crazy, magnificent things. And I know that you no longer look like yourself. Like for me, I, I do not look the same as before I had cancer. To be honest, it feels like I gained 10 years in one. Yeah. And, but you don't have to be your old self, be your new self, like embrace life and go with what you have. And if you have, questions or concerns like even for myself I I do I feel like a burden half the time but my cancer team just keeps telling me you're not a burden like you have a question it's valid ask it Hmm. so that's that's what I do and I just keep trucking along forward uh if you feel anything tell the cancer team they'll look into it they'll 
be able to reaffirm if it's okay or if it's not okay and just go from there. Hmm. So what is the one thing on your bucket list you want to do? It's actually, I want to travel more. <laughs> I haven't traveled really at all. I've basically stayed in Ontario, in Canada, Ontario, like one province in Canada. Hmm. That was my traveling. And to be honest, Ontario is a beautiful province and you can see a lot, do a lot of different things. But I would like to travel. I'd like to see other countries. I know it's difficult now because of COVID, but yeah. I would like to go and see other countries and see other things. My career is in architecture and I want to see different architecture other than Canada's. <laughs> so how do you feel more positive? I, I was always a positive person, to be honest. Um, and through my cancer treatment, I did lose a lot of the positivity and to be honest, my cancer center, they, they call it toxic positivity. And you don't have to go through cancer treatment being positive. You're allowed to feel the negatives. And if the feeling the negatives is what you have to do, then it is what you have to do. But like, because the way what my cancer center said is they've had really positive people and their cancers pro progressed, not possessed progressed and they've had really negative people and they've actually went in remission like there is no rhyme or reason with how you feel and what you feel like uh but it's okay to feel and for me just I am who I am and I am I'm, I'm actually a positive person <laughs> yeah. and I like lifting people up and making people happy that's that's just who I am so how do you basically reward yourself when you achieve any goal i i try and uh i'm a i'm an avid reader so i buy a book and read a book uh a big reward for myself now is just for me it's more of the accomplishment than anything so i just like look what i did i did this <laughs> I felt horrible this morning. I walked, I got up, I walked the dogs. I did the dishes. I cleaned, I, I worked. And to me, that's more of the reward in itself. It's just being able to do that, being able to live. Hmm. So if you have to like sum up your journey in one sentence, then what would that be? believe believe in the process believe in yourself mm. um like the drugs that they have right now is amazing yes and so i would actually instead of one sentence it would just be one word is believe mm. <laughs> so like uh, it's been wonderful like listening to your story it has been so inspiring for other breast cancer patients as well and for the caregiver survivors as well so basically at zen oncology we also work towards the betterment of cancer patients like through integrated oncology so what are your thoughts on the same uh, i for me the integrative oncology is the only way for myself to have been treated i even 
outside of the cancer center, I actually have been to an uh, integrative cancer physiotherapy office because I had really bad shoulder issues because I have a lot of backup of lymph fluid. So inflammatory breast cancer, basically it means your cancer has infiltrated the lymph node system and that's what makes your breast grow. So upon removing my breast and all my lymph nodes, uh, I still have a really bad backup of lymph fluid in my shoulder. So I go to a physiotherapist and this physiotherapist was also a cancer nurse and they also do food and nutrition there. And they do a lot of different therapies. And without them, I wouldn't have been able to move my arm till today. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very important. Hmm. So what is that one thing you are very proud of yourself for? Sticking through the needles. (laughs) (laughs) It'll sound weird, but for someone that has a very severe fear of needles, and even with shots or even flu shots where they were like, okay, do you want your flu shot? I'm like, is it necessary? But nope. Okay. Nope. And to now I'm just like, give me a flu shot. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, IVs is where I still draw the line where they're like, IV, I'm like, eh, can you use the port? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very proud of myself for actually being more receptive to needles (laughs) and blood draws that was the other one I was mortified of blood draws I just would not want to do them I was like "Eh, heck no 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 and now I'm actually able to do them mind you I do have specific phlebotomists that I'm like only you can do this but no thanks sorry um I I I'm just so proud that I can withstand needles, my, my rational fear. Oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> That's your dog, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, one of my dogs. <laughs> They're basically saying it's our time now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, basically, how did you manage your personal and professional life? So I just returned to work. So next week is actually my first full week back. So I I started my return to work in September. It was actually very hard not being able to work. I love my job. Right when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was actually doing what I love doing. And I finally got to do what I love doing. It's been almost 10 years since I graduated, or it has been 10 years since I graduated from college. And my dream job was to work for an architect and do heritage. And Mm. I finally just got to do that, to work for an architect and do heritage. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. So that was really hard, not being able to do that. So actually going back to work was, it was exciting. And it was, I, I was just so happy to finally be able to do what I love again. But it was hard because a lot of the the treatments I'm on, the treatments I was on, like I said, I have really bad neuropathy. I'm on a lot of medication to help 
stop it. I still get pretty bad lymphedema, but there's, there's ways around it. Like I have to, I just have to exercise more to try and get it back to normal. Hmm. I, I'm really tired. So actually COVID's doing me a, doing me an awesome right now because no one's allowed to work in office. Everyone's supposed to work from home. So now that I'm home, I can actually, if I'm tired, I can sit in a comfier chair. And my work is I work with a laptop. So I just have a table beside me and I can kind of lean back a little bit as I work, not sleeping, mind you, but leaning back and being able to take some of the the stress off. So it's, it's very nice being able to do that where if I was working in office, obviously it's a little more difficult to do that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so it was like lovely having you today on this session Nicole so thank you so much for your valuable time and I hope this session really motivates people out there who have traveled or been traveling through this journey so once again thank you so much thank you have a wonderful day <laughs>